0: This is episode 23, Undercover Writing Partners. We're going to get right to it today. We have a very musical episode for you. This is the Language of Creativity Podcast. Take it from me. I am in the studio with Undercover Rubicon. They have just released a new EP called. What is it called? Retrospect. <laughs> Retrospect. <laughs> called Retrospect. <laughs> and it's badass. Um, actually, you guys recorded part of it here.
1: My- yeah.
2: We recorded all of it here.
1: Yeah. Mo- well, not all of it because um, time. Oh, we, we recorded true. that on my uh, Zoom recorder. My mobile recorder in uh, Mammoth on our, actually our first vacation together. Three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was super nice. We just kind of set up a mobile rig in our Airbnb. Um, and um, yeah, we actually, we have a ton of songs on that recorder that we need to revisit and see if we can actually, you know, bring some of those to life.
0: There's something about recording on a Zoom recorder instead of like a computer. I was just
2: going to say that. The great thing about the recorder is that you don't have any other distractions. Yeah. It's just so basic. So it's really just the song.
0: Back to the roots. Yeah. And it's like you don't obsess about things. You just get the vibe and and go for it.
1: Yeah. I think that's one of the problems with, you know, DAW recording these days is me personally, I I get caught up in like, oh, what does this plugin sound like? What does that sound like? And, you know, it takes you back to just kind of like a cassette-type deal back in the day. The Stone
2: Age.
0: Yeah, the Stone Age, just the basics.
2: Just some rocks and sticks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Banging out claps on the (laughs) log. Uh, You know, it was funny because that's why I put a console in my studio because for me, working on a physical something, is it engages your brain in a different way.
1: Yeah, I personally love that console. Sounds amazing.
0: It's an Orem Trident 24-channel, and... I don't know why, but I wired it to a patch bay, and if you wanted to, you could mix an entire project on it, which yeah. I've done, but recall is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to fix things in versions, so I just kind of now I mix in Pro Tools, but when you do drums, it's like, oh, like ah, yeah. get the tape out, put the Sharpie on it. And yeah, it's super cool. So you guys just released your new EP, and this is your first ever release Undercover Rubicon, but also, is this your first time releasing a project like this?
1: Not for me. I've been involved in a couple other projects that are that were like full release, but how about for you, Rebecca? Oh, how about for you, Rubicon?
2: Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the first project um, that I've been a part of that has been all over the internet. I released a song on SoundCloud like five years ago, but it was just a cover, so.
1: It, it's actually really good. <laughs> I think we should get it up on... the uh, on at least soundcloud or something as a single
2: yeah that's on her phone cool. and it
1: sounds super raw and super cool
2: well it is on soundcloud oh it is but it's not on the undercover rubicon oh, well, SoundCloud. we should get
0: that on undercover rubicon you see i'm so old that i remember mp3.com oh what was that that was like the first time you could just put music on something soundcloud like and it was like 2001 oh wow yeah i mean did people actually listen oh yeah really yeah, in fact it was a great place to download like people would there was a lot of comedy on there too, which was kinda cool. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I remember E Bomb's World. Oh wow. <laughs> um Homestar Runner.
2: Yeah, Rawl doesn't know about that. I actually do.
1: That was where you played the games, right? It
0: was like Flash cartoons. Hmm. I kinda remember that. Homestar <laughs> wanna. I kind of remember that. That yeah. was so good.
2: I had to show him um, Trogdor the other day.
0: Trogdor,
2: <laughs> Trogdor was a man.
0: He, he was a dragon, dragon man. man. <laughs> I didn't know about that until <laughs> she showed me. Oh my god, so good! And now they just killed Flash Player. I finally, after being oh, nagged, I'm like, "Damn it! I'm editing. Stop nagging me to uninstall Flash Player." So I finally, I just was like, "Okay, I got a minute." Yeah. Wait, it's
1: completely gone now. They killed it. Mm-hmm. Adobe
0: just—they bought—they like bought Macromedia. And then they, like, did a shitty job with it, and then, you know, 12 years later or whatever, now they're like, okay, we're, we're done.
2: So sad. Flash Player was the best. Yeah. Like, every every fun game I ever played was because of Flash Player.
1: <laughs> I remember yeah. I helped my cousin Elijah um, do a school project on Flash, and it, it was, like, pretty good for, like, a couple teenagers, and his... Uh... <laughs> His teacher didn't think uh, he actually did the work. He thought he ripped it off the <laughs> internet. It was super funny.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's like, I don't know why, but apparently it's like really insecure. Like, I guess people can just read your hard drive if you have it. So Oh, really? Yeah, that's why they're like, get it off your system, because it just apparently was irreparably buggy. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, so, but... Homestar Runner. Yeah.
2: I know. The good yeah. old days.
0: Now you can only <laughs> watch gone. it time-capsuled on YouTube.
2: That's so sad. <laughs> can't you can't make... play any of the games.
0: I know. I know. Remember Throw the Baby? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like they had this this thing that made fun it was called Peasant's Quest and it made fun of King's Quest, which I used to play on DOS. Hmm. On my old 286. And um but yeah, like it was one of those text-based adventures where your character would walk around and then you'd have to type commands.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and so at one point in the game, they're like, you know, you have to stand by a lake and say, throw baby. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which is bad. You shouldn't do that. You should not throw babies. Do not throw babies. It's no. a terrible
2: but message, and that's why they deleted Flash Player. That's exactly...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Talk <laughs> about that, you know, things that are wrong in the world. I mean... It's, it's prob- Video games? In they're ad- terrible. And Adobe. <laughs> Adobe is terrible
1: it's the best worst thing Adobe is the devil <laughs> and music
2: it's, it's bad
1: oh man I, do you remember cool edit pro
0: yeah okay so
1: I'm pretty <laughs> sure the story with that was cool edit pro sold the rights to Adobe and then that turned into Adobe Audition and cool, I
0: know that's what happened. Okay.
1: And Cool Edit Pro was free. And that's what I learned on. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it didn't work one day. And I was like, what the heck? And then it popped up. I was like, hey, Adobe Audition. And you want to buy it? And I was like, no. I don't, don't want to buy anything. <laughs> I was like, 12.
0: <laughs> yeah. Adobe is just like,
2: they take money they went, wherever they can take they money. They win
0: subscription. And it's like, yeah. okay, I've already paid $500 for Photoshop. Yep. Why do I need to pay for it every year? Yeah. For the rest of my life
1: like we have to pay for adobe premiere now and it sucks it's like monthly
0: it's a it's terrible that pre- premiere is so amazing mm-hmm. yeah i get pissed off by that hey I by the too. way great job editing your video for living a lie Oh, that was thank you rubicon. Uh, that was all, all rubicon, rubicon. <laughs> yeah man like it it, it looks like it should go on vivo or something like that that yeah. would be awesome she did yeah. a really that good was,
2: job i've edited before but that was the first time i have edited a full music video, and it took me about two months because I had to take creative breaks in between because I was just losing sight of the vision. Yeah. So, and we didn't have many clips to work with because, you know.
1: Yeah, we had to to, um, download like a bunch of, um, like, what do you call them? Overlays. Overlays, and that- To keep
2: things
0: interesting. (laughs) Yeah, that helped a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, and how the hell did you get a hold of Flames?
1: Flames. Oh, um, funny story about the Flames. Uh, we were helping out with a uh, another music video. I'm not sure if I can mention the artist's name.
2: I'm sure you can. Yeah, it was. It's the, out.
1: It was an Oliver Tree music video we worked on, and um, it was actually that was the test run for the Flames for the actual video, and we just stole some shots.
2: <laughs> well, we didn't steal. Them. Well, we did steal they were shots, doing Test but, shots.
1: And yeah. Dan- we had Daniel to brought see... out his uh, warp cam and got a couple shots with the uh,
0: flames. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it yeah. looks incredible. And uh, it's very, the production value is amazing. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Yeah. It worked out perfectly because it was here at the studio. They had the set walls up for the Oliver Tree video. And we were able to use the set for the entirety of our music video besides the downtown LA scenes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, yeah, the day before Oliver Tree came in, we did the test shots to see how the fire looked on the warp cam. And yeah, we were able to use those.
1: Yep. And the rest, we just kind of, Becca and I, just, just uh, one-on-one during quarantine, just, you know, got some cool shots with some basic lights. And it wasn't anything crazy. We
0: just had fun with it. Yeah, speaking of quarantine, I'm actually in the other room. Yeah. Yeah. You guys did a little traveling, and so I, yeah. Yeah, it was kind
2: of funny, our travel story. I did not want to go. We went to Vegas, and we were going to go for a little family trip with Rawls family, and I just felt very unsure about traveling with the numbers going up. So we went, (laughs) and it actually turned out to be really cool because we forgot (laughs) it was we were going to be gone during our release day. So, what?
1: So, yeah. it turned into like a, a release party in Vegas that we were like in the hotel, like,
2: woo. Well, so, we all <laughs> somehow remembered that our release was going to drop.
3: Yeah. It was at like yeah. we, almost well, we almost forgot about our release. We almost forgot
2: because it was supposed to be the 31st. And I thought we were going to have to release it in the car. Like, you know, I well, was going to do all the promotional stuff. But since it released at 9 p.m., because of, you know.
1: well we thought it was going to be the th- it was supposed to be the 30th but it goes live uh at 9 p.m the night before because it's eastern time right so we just said screw it and started promoting the night before on the 29th and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, you guys did
0: pretty well at the it, outset. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, it was funny. His sister, when he mentioned that it was gonna release that night, she was like, "Oh my gosh, release party!" And, we're and then like, we, oh yeah, it is. We made a big deal out of it and pretended like we were having this big old release party. Yeah, it was funny. And That's perfect. You yeah. got a lot
1: of people to repost. What's too.
2: funny is I feel like that energy set the vibe for like everyone else to jump on board on social media
0: well you guys killed it i mean you had the whole yeah everybody wearing the green wig yeah yeah it's funny his
2: his sister thought of that too i i said oh my gosh i should have brought my wig and she's like oh well snapchat and instagram have those hair color changer things she's like look up green hair so i did and i was like oh my gosh i should have everyone Wear their undercover Rubicon hair.
0: Okay, yeah. so those weren't real wigs. No, no, that was a filter. Okay, so I totally thought that you guys went on Amazon and sent wigs to no. everybody. Ahead I of mean, time. I'm, that I would mean, have been we did.
1: That's exactly what we did.
2: <laughs> that would have been so we old spent school. Four hundred
1: dollars on wigs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well. Actually, the Amazon wigs are pretty cheap. <laughs> they're, they're like
1: plastic hair. Yeah. 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 They look good on film though. They really do. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um my hair, I would have to admit right now that my hair is not real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Scandal. Uh-oh. Yeah. People should sorry. not be scandalous. The secret's
2: <laughs> out. Um even though the wig you could tell <laughs> in pictures and in the video my wig slowly goes back and the bangs get shorter. <laughs>
0: You know what? I did not notice that. Well, it was a constant struggle when we were filming the video. So
2: yeah, I there have you, a really. There,
0: there you have it. I
2: have a really tiny head, so <laughs> the wig would not want to stay on properly. You
0: didn't have a proper hair person because Mm-mm. of quarantine.
2: Well, yeah, and and we are very. Yeah. We are very <laughs> <Mainly> DIY. <money. laughs> we are DIY people
1: to the max. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: was it, it's cool that you had access to a camera set up and a place to shoot it and And record yeah yeah honestly (laughs) having
1: like a a quiet empty driveway to to do the video in was like best case scenario because it's pretty quiet around here so
0: yeah yeah that's what's been cool about quarantine is like all this time to create yeah
2: yeah i keep mentioning how we wouldn't have had the time to do any of this if it weren't for quarantine because we we were always so busy with work. The only time we got to record music was on vacation yep. beforehand. Yeah. So it was once a year, we'd,
1: you know. Yeah, like a week at a time. <laughs> yeah, we would record music. Like on stuff. vacation in yeah, Mammoth. Because we worked Mammoth, so much. Tahoe. There was yeah. no time. Yeah. So
3: time, time. <laughs> And that was the away. first
2: song we actually wrote together. It,
1: yeah, that is the very first song, so I think it's fitting that it was the first track on the EP, which was our first release. Yeah, so. we didn't
2: mean to do that. What's it Was funny not planned. Is I noticed so time time <laughs> is actually getting the least amount of listens.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I I thought since that one's a little bit more pop, pop. geared. Uh huh. Um. It, I, I don't know. It's I think the top 2
2: were um Living a Lie and of course. and Into Deep. Into Deep. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird because royalties <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Daniel was like Into Deep is too slow. No one's going <laughs> to like it.
0: That's funny. Yeah.
2: He's like only specific people like that type of music, and I'm like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure a lot of people like
0: that type of music. Oh, Radiohead is for losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mentioned Daniel how, is your brother, by the way. Oh
2: yeah, so I figured we should specify the, these names at some point because Raúl keeps calling me Becca, Rebecca, and Rubicon, <laughs> and then we keep mentioning Daniel, and people yeah. are gonna be like, "Who's Daniel? <laughs>
1: Who is Daniel? Who is Daniel?
2: Who is Daniel?" Good question. <laughs> I don't know
0: Deleted Yeah
3: Yeah.
2: You're gonna have a lot of editing to do if you end up posting this This Well you know I
0: mean if you don't mind going by Rebecca and talking about Daniel then I won't do any editing Or I'll just comically beep out certain names Yeah Yeah we'll just make it like Daniel will be like And then like you know Becca will be beep And then
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or you can do a cheesy like overlay like Rubicon
0: I mean, full full disclosure, I am your brother, too.
2: Yeah. yeah. I guess we are going to talk about that. I thought we weren't going to talk about I guess we're not.
1: <laughs> I am your brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, this whole situation is a little bit confusing for people who don't know what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, but so talk about quarantine and, like, you quit your job and it's been amazing, right?
2: Yeah, so I was actually... I guess laid off because of quarantine and I think it was in May around the time we were doing the videos with Oliver and then we were doing our videos around that time my boss asked me to come back to work and I just kept saying no (laughs) and eventually he was like okay well we already offered you to go back to work so like we're gonna have to you know like let you off Completely and I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'm doing my own stuff a couple months later He asked me to go back again after they said it was permanent and I Just decided that this is the perfect time to stop doing the things that I don't want to do
0: Amazing. Yeah,
2: even though it's not stable it's just it makes me a lot happier to be able to have the free time to work on music or work on videos or, you know, do creative things.
0: Do you think you would have been able to get the album released last year by the end of the year (laughs) if you had been at your job? Definitely not. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, lucky to be able to do that, obviously, because um, Mm -hmm. most
2: people don't have that opportunity.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's funny, like, we kind of had opposite schedules back then, like... She was working super early mornings and then off in the middle of the day because it was like restaurant schedule and I was working um, Live music production. So that's all over the place. That's like, you know, you know, you're up in the morning and you're back Super late at night. So it was just we had literally no time at all to work on creative stuff So it's the best-case scenario with all that extra time Yeah,
0: Yeah, what do
2: you do when you're locked up for four or five months like just watch tv or (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know
0: yeah i mean it's sooner or later the office ends
1: uh yeah Yeah. and now it's not on netflix so we can't even watch it
0: damn
1: yeah
2: my life well i've watched the office probably uh 13 times now all the way through all the way through start to finish 13 times And now it's not on- What's
1: wrong with you? I was on my second time around, (laughs) but yeah, that's pretty crazy. It's not
2: on Netflix anymore, but I have to buy all the DVD sets and figure out how to watch stuff on DVD now because, you know, Uh everything's streaming. I Have to get like a DVD player.
0: <laughs> I want The Office on VHS.
2: <laughs> I want it on. Tape. I wonder if
0: that exists. Audio. No, because The Office is too new. Yeah, it's true. Unless I mean, someone oh, bootleg it. Here's
1: what we should do. We should bootleg it.
0: Yeah. You have the VHS recorder. Let's do that. Let's do it.
1: Okay.
2: Okay, we're we're not gonna talk about doing that because that's illegal.
1: <laughs> Wait.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Where are we gonna get the tapes? The tapes. Um... Should we record record over old tapes?
1: Yeah, I think what we should do is we should go to a uh, Goodwill or Salvation Army and just buy up all the VHS tapes.
0: That'd be awesome. And then use Can the- you
2: tape over it? Yeah. <laughs> you
0: can if you even if it's like a Disney tape, you could just like you could just put um scotch tape over the little divot in mm-hmm. the side and that tells the recorder that it's okay to record. Oh, yeah,
1: screw okay. Aladdin. <laughs> I actually didn't know you yeah. had to do that, but that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, okay. So speaking of VHS, so how do you think it would sound if we recorded something straight to VHS audio? See,
0: I have been wondering that. Okay. I feel like it might be kind of cool. time, and I think we should try We should it. try a song that way. We should totally try a song, or if not, like, master it to VHS tape. Hmm. That would be But really I'm
1: cool. really interested to see if you can use it as, like, a cassette recorder and see what the audio is like.
0: You could. You just need some sort of blank carrier video or things get wonky. Hmm. Yeah. So like you just need like a blank screen or you can like, maybe we can find an old camcorder to just plug into it.
1: Mm, okay.
0: Yeah, but I like that idea. I think I've been wanting to just make a project on the four track cassette recorder. hmm that'd be cool too. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. I mean I kinda it was funny because I was thinking about that, like when hipsters got big. I was like, you know, it's only (laughs) gonna it's only gonna be a minute before somebody goes, It's all about cassette tape, man. The sound of it is Well what's funny
2: is it only lasted that happened and it only lasted (laughs) for a short amount of time.
0: (laughs) Because cassette tapes sound terrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I learned on um, a an Akai seventies Akai Reel to Reel. It was like a quarter inch tape machine. And then I moved, my upgrade was a uh, four-track Tascam cassette recorder, and it was actually a downgrade, so <laughs> I realized that later. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was it was kind of cool. Got some cool sounds.
0: Yeah. I remember, like, while you guys were mixing, I was just like, dude, you guys got to run this through four-track tape.
1: Yeah, we almost tried it, but we just, we were, like, running out of time, and...
2: Wait, didn't we do it?
0: Well, you know, what we no. ended up doing is I bought I bought that. Um, oh, you bought, bought cassette. that plugin. Yeah. There's a plugin called Cassette by Waves Factory. Yeah, and it's amazing. Did and we
2: end up keeping that?
1: We used it on a few things, like we used it on the drums for uh, Living a, lie. Living a lie, and then I think I might have used it on the drums for um, Addicted. I don't know if I ended up using it on anything else because it was a little extreme. A little more extreme than I thought it was going to be. Well,
0: you have to, yeah, you have to be deliberate about it. Otherwise it can be a little nuts, but you know, it was cool was um, how did you get that drum sound for living a lie?
1: Um, That was actually native instruments. Um, Oh really? Yeah. I I would not have known that. I built the kit um, and I don't know what version you have, but uh, you can like move the room mics and like you can get pretty nitty gritty with it. Wow. And so, yeah, we were referencing, um, some post-punk stuff i don't remember what exactly it was but we were just going around listening to some old stuff that we liked from the 80s and kind of just made it our own so we, that kick and that snare is actually i think it, they're samples but they're like tune i like really um went in and made them our own as far as tuning and miking and stuff like that
0: well, the drums that you'd played on Justin Miyamoto's project, the oceanographers. Oh, yeah. Uh, for after quarantine. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the drum sounds you got out of that, like, midline 2000s Pearl Kit were yeah.
1: insanely good. Thank you. Yeah. I, that's kind of my thing. Like, I don't know. I'm really good. I've gotten really good at getting drum sounds, like uh, acoustic drum sounds. And um, yeah, I just, I, I have fun with it. And it's, it's like, that's like, Definitely one of my strong points is mm-hmm. drums and tuning and getting good drum sounds well, in the you're, studio. You're a drummer,
0: you're a guitarist, and you sing. Yeah, as well. Ish. He does
2: it all. No, he can actually <laughs> sing. He just pretends he can't sing for some reason.
0: Because it's better when I, the singer can't pretends they can't sing because you know all the best singers only kind of can sing.
1: Well, the thing is with me is I'm not great at any of the instruments. I'm okay at like that's a lie. You know, <laughs> he's I, I, living a
2: lie. <laughs> he's living a lie my my
0: palms are sweating (laughs) your Uh, knees are weak i'll disconnect the (laughs) electrodes in a a minute there's too many spikes right now on the lie detector oh really yeah (laughs) yeah but no no he's he's incredible also just it's like really cool to have you around because you just have like such a laid-back energy i didn't realize that you and justin had the hawaii connection in common
1: yeah, I thought that was that pretty funny
0: That happens a
2: lot. It's really funny. We'll be at a random restaurant <laughs> and then some I don't know a waiter will be like, Um, hey, like or are you from Hawaii? And he'll be like, oh, I lived in Hawaii for a year. And he's like, oh, wow, I lived there, too. And they'll just bond over Hawaii. It,
1: just, happened Vegas, actually, it
2: happened in Vegas, actually. It happened in Vegas. It happened at, the, at, the at a restaurant mark. in Studio City. Yeah. It's happened a few other places, too. People
1: can just tell. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things, like, you only know if you've lived there. And, like, once you make that connection with someone, you're like, oh, oh, oh. It's, like, one of those moments. Wow. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's cool and it was really enjoyable because I'm so high-strung. Mm-hmm. Like, I need people like you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, I had I had someone I was working with the other day say, you are so frustrating to work with because <laughs> you're both like a free spirit and super meticulous at the same time. Mm -hmm. How does that exist together in the same person? And I'm like, uh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what I've learned with working with you over um, the past almost year is uh, you just need some grounding every once in a while. Every once in a while,
0: you just gotta (laughs) say, Steve, you need to eat, (laughs) chill the fuck out. go outside take your shoes off i don't think think i've ever said that yeah but yeah um, but basically (laughs) that's what i'm saying yeah exactly but you say it in such a way you're like oh hey yeah what about breakfast burritos i'm like yeah "Yeah." you know what (laughs) breakfast
1: burritos always help they do they're
2: the best food the best food group food group
0: (laughs) 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 top of the food chain (laughs) you know what i think it is is that like i honestly i was made for the big studio Mm -hmm. uh, Mm era, like that when I sense. worked on Lobate and we were over at Rich Mauser's place, and like we're Pasadena? in Pasadena, it's in Altadena. Altadena. Yeah. We're in this big, huge studio with a 52-channel board, and mm-hmm. we're making like it has a giant drum room. And we're making these like old world sounding records. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this time there's like three or four of us making the record and I'm producing, I'm not engineering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things are a little bit more like tape-ish. Yeah. You know, we weren't recording to tape, but it was more that feel. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a different vibe. Like every time I can get when I, when I made Venus Illuminato we did the first record to my 24 track hard disc recorder. Mm-hmm. And it was like with old school punch ins where you got to like know where the punch in is and you got to like get it right at the yeah. right time. And you're just using your ears. Mm-hmm. And there's something about clicking the mouse and getting on the computer that I get like kind of OCD. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. And I think it's not just me. I think a lot of people fall down pray to that because you're looking at all these waveforms and you're getting into the, the like super microscopic level. And I think you have to force yourself to shut your eyes and just listen.
1: Yeah. It kind of loops back to the, what we were talking about earlier with like the zoom recorder or cassette recorder, um, gets you back in that mindset of, you know, away from the DAW, away from the computer. Mm -hmm. The mouse will, will lead you the wrong way. Sometimes the mouse will lead you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk about, the times we live in, like uh. I mean, <laughs> because living a lie is, I mean, it kind of makes a statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you pretty well, so I know that like it's kind of counterculture to say like, "Hey, 2020 was amazing for me." I don't know about you. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's what I wrote it about. There was a lot going on when i wrote it and it's kind of about a few things but what's funny about it is i don't think people really get that it's political i don't know why right (laughs) because i was being clearly political but I i feel like people don't get that vibe from it but there yeah. are people
0: who don't realize Wage Against the Machine is political.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs>
1: if, if people don't realize that, there's something wrong with that.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I just, with the way we were writing, it was like I we talked about earlier, we wanted to write something that sounded post-punk because I was really into that at the time. And I wanted to do something that was 80s, dark wave, inspired, so um, there's this Russian band we actually took a lot of inspiration from too. They're super cool. Can't remember their name right now. It's unfortunate. Molok Doma. Yeah, Molok Doma. Doma. I feel like I'm like butchering the name. Yeah, sorry. But, sorry if they
1: ever hear that. But, <laughs> but they're, yeah, they're really cool.
2: So um, I just set the. I wanted to set the tone, and Raul did a really good job setting that dark, chaotic vibe that I was going for. Um, Yeah, you
0: guys nailed it. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm surprised that people actually like it because when we recorded it and I wrote it I thought people would not like it, but I wanted it to be the single because of the message that I was putting across in the lyrics.
1: As as the lyrics and stuff go, like I don't really hear lyrics and songs, I just listen to the music. Um, so that was all Becca, that or that was all Rubicon,
2: (laughs) yeah. Well, that's what I do in our little duo here. So he writes everything else, like the guitar parts, he does everything, he records it, he mixes it, um, all that stuff, and then I listen to riffs he puts together and like songs he puts together. And then I write the melody and the lyrics. I just... If I don't like something at the moment, we'll revisit it if I'm not drawing any inspiration from it. Yeah. So it just... I don't know. It kind of comes to me if I like what the song sounds like or what the guitar riff sounds like.
1: Yeah. And I just... If somebody gives me like an idea, I'm really good at running with that. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. my strong point when it comes to writing.
2: I think it helps. I think we're a really good duo because... I see things and I hear things and I hear the vision that I want to portray and I I don't know I always know what I'm going for so like in that song like I said I wanted to go for something more chaotic and then also I wanted to draw from like post-punk and 80s dark wave influences Mm -hmm. so he was able to translate that after you know deep diving, (laughs) watching some little documentaries about post-punk. Okay,
0: that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. so
2: I got really into that, and I was like, just watch this documentary, and and it was so cool to see how genres intertwine and how complicated music is.
0: Music history. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so
2: that really helped us with the vibe, like I talked about, and, you know, he did a good job putting it together,
1: I mean, it always, for me, it always starts with the bass and drums. I think it's like that for a lot of people. But for me personally, like bass and drums, like that's where it always starts. And for Living a Lie, we were like, we watched that documentary and then I started working on the drum sound. And the first night of recording that song, we got the drums and the bass tone that night. And it just like, that was kind of like, you know, where the song started. And that set the vibe of the song. Yeah. It really worked out.
2: And then I thought about everything going on in the world and I, I kind of just sit there and I just sing random phrases to myself until I get a complete thought. Mm. So I'll sing it under my breath kind of while he's, you know, playing something or doing something else and then I'll form a complete thought and then run with that thought.
1: Yeah, I wonder how it would be if we did a more traditional style of writing like so like right now i'll write like a riff and then she'll write around the riff i, I wonder how it would be if like you came up with a chord pattern and melody and that's what i used that. to do what's yeah. funny
2: is um this'll bring back into deep is i was that, just gonna mention it. yeah so yeah. <laughs> i wrote the chords for into deep on my guitar when i was a teenager and i wrote the the basic lyrics i I forget i think it was i hope you know it was really slow actually it was
3: yeah
2: i hope you know i think it was originally like 90
3: 90 bpm yeah yeah
2: Little, I don't know what would you call that little intro for the song. I came to the studio. Me and Steve were just hanging out, and I was going through my little song bank of my voice recordings, and we decided to visit that song, and we wrote a little demo. Steve,
0: I laid down some electric piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually ended up keeping that for the intro. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. And
1: some some parts throughout the song.
2: So yeah, at the time, I really liked Bonnie Ver. I was probably like sixteen or seventeen. I think I was seventeen, and so I told Steve, "Hey, like, listen to these couple songs by Bonnie Vere and then he played the keyboard, and I just went and recorded the vocals, and it was just like kind of all over the place at first.
0: I don't think we ever finished writing this song. I think it was just kind of a sketch that we put down, but it (laughs) sounded so cool. You just wanted to listen to it on repeat. Exactly.
2: It's funny because from the ages of 17, when we did the demo, 17 to 24 or 23, I can't remember. I think
1: you're still 23 at the time.
2: 17 to 23, I would randomly think about the song, the demo that we did. Mm. And I would go to Dropbox (laughs) and (laughs) I would be in the car and I would just randomly pull it up and listen to it and just think, wow, this is so good. We have to finish this someday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The original BPM was like super slow. Honestly,
2: I still really like it. I want to release a version where it's. That's low.
0: That would be amazing. That'd I mean, now cool. that you finish writing the song, it wouldn't be that hard to do. Oh, it's no. we could just reimagine whatever's new, and then mm-hmm. it would be. Yeah, I like that version too, and I like the new version a lot too. Yeah, it's yeah.
2: way different from what.
0: We it's are... completely different. Yeah, yeah, from what
2: we originally did, but for some reason it feels similar. Mm-hmm. Like it feels the same, but it's not. <laughs>
0: The same, but different. different.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That drum sound was actually the same setup left over from the Oceanographer's... um, After Quarantine Project. After Quarantine Project, yeah. Yeah. So that was like the same drum sound, essentially. The snare was different, but that's about
0: it. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that you guys were mentioning post-punk and dark wave and stuff like that. My first ever writing partner, Joni Blenman, we were in a band together when I was... 12 oh yeah we listened to that recently <laughs> <laughs> and she was super influenced by Depeche Mode yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah some of that I mean, stuff is really cool it's incredible what's yeah. funny
2: is like Raul said we were listening to it because obviously we have the same mom we are brother and sister uh-huh. um, <laughs> so Uh huh. so mom got out the old tapes and Played it over the big speakers while no we, way. Were, yeah. we, we were cooking, and she like the living room. It's she was like, like singing along it.
3: concept. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: but like, so we were cooking in the kitchen, and she was playing your tape in the living room, and it was just really funny because she was like sitting there, like dancing to it and
0: (laughs) man we had concerts you know where um there's the coffee shop that you like to go to in new hall that used to be a place called job and jazz yep that's what she mentioned that that was where our first ever concert was were Were you
2: nervous um i feel like i at that age like Every time I would do a singing recital, I was so nervous, but you were in like a full on band.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was surreal. I don't, of course I was nervous, but I don't remember being nervous. It was just like, how did you get exciting? Like what was your rig back then? I had my o Korg and mm-hmm. that's where I sequenced all the material, like that's between that and the the, the IBM with Cakewalk, mm-hmm. and basically we'd mix all the backing tracks down to that, and so I had my O&W of my DX7, and so I played all the leads on the DX7, I pretended to play the O&W... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, because you had it all playing on the dog. Da- because I had the, it on the, the dad. Uh, yeah, I mean. and then we'd play the tracks. And, and the, the real truth was our drummer, Michael Cabrant, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was younger than all of us. So Joni was like, I don't know, 15, 16. I was 13. And Michael was 9. Oh, wow. And Michael was... Phenomenal. That's crazy. So he played live drums to our track with no click track. Oh wow. And just nailed it. And yeah. so it was like Joni singing, me playing the leads on the keyboard and hitting play on the dat mm-hmm. and singing harmonies. Interesting. And uh yeah, and I mean we played, I don't know, we only played like four or five gigs mm-hmm. um at, you know, local churches, and there was one festival in the park in the Valencia. Yeah. That we did, which was super cool. I remember us like getting in a huge creative argument before that Uh-oh. started. <laughs> That's always fun. Drama. Yeah, so it didn't last. But gosh, you know, we could have been like the next been, big thing. We could have been the next Switchfoot Christian Jonas brothers did or you something. Did
2: Depeche Mode is apparently a Christian band?
0: What? Wait.
2: Apparently? Seriously? Which is shocking to me, which I'm not sure if it's 100% true. I don't
1: know about that. But
2: I did look it up, and it said they are.
1: Huh.
0: What?
2: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me, but you guys could have been the next Depeche Mode.
0: <laughs> you know, we were more like electropop. Like, there was we were a more... couple
2: songs that sounded just like Depeche Mode. And were you singing?
0: Uh, I did not. S- it was Joni singing leads.
2: One of the guys who sang, it wasn't Joni, it was a guy... And one of the guys who sang Sounded just like the singer of Depeche Mode
0: Oh that might have been Okay maybe that was the first ever project We did together There was this other guy named Eric yeah. Who sang on this song Called Forever Okay And I so I don't know which tape she played She played a couple different ones Yeah so that one I mean that guy definitely sounded like
2: He sounded really David good Cahan.
0: Then it is forever Well, it's David Gahan, and that's the lead singer, and then the real guy behind Depeche Mode is the guitarist. I mean, he writes everything, and he sings on one of Joni's favorite songs, this song where he sings lead on it, and Hmm. he's got kind of a higher voice than David.
2: You were right. Dave Gahan.
0: Dave Gahan's the lead singer, and who's his writing partner?
2: Martin Gore.
0: Martin Gore. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Martin's stuff is incredible, and so yeah, he plays guitar on everything and does a lot of the writing, and... Um, but yeah, I mean, Depeche Mode was incredible, but yeah, we were a little bit more like synth pop. I I don't know what you would compare us to, but.
2: Oh, wow. I had no idea this happened. What? Gahan overdosed, um, in 96. Right. No way.
0: Well, he's still alive.
2: Oh, (laughs) hold on.
0: You can survive an overdose.
2: Yeah, well.
0: I think that's where a lot of his like playing the angel album came from is this idea of recovery and um oh, okay yeah he had a kind of a darkness to him in terms of the drug addiction and stuff like that time
2: to watch some documentaries. a pain
0: that i'm used to right you know but that's the thing right like we lost so many celebrities in the last two years i mean um well yeah chester bennington chris cornell chris cornell obviously people have talked about addiction being a major factor and i think what i've heard people talk about is how Artists are so sensitive. Yeah. And then you get into this world, like either you get into writing because you're trying to have an outlet for your pain or you you go into the world of performing and it's so, so, it's so crazy. Much. Celebrity and everybody wanting a piece of you and, mm-hmm. you know, the touring road and stuff like that. And so it does lead people to addiction to mm. cope with it. Right. hmm. Yeah. I mean, so you've met some celebrities, Raw, right? yeah i have (laughs) i mean would you say that's true i mean that a lot of artists are very sensitive people
1: yeah i mean it's so it's weird so i've I've noticed on the road people act very different than they do when they're home um Mm. like on the road people tend to be like more so loners when they're not really when they're sad or Are feeling, you know, down, Mm -hmm. missing their families or loved ones or whatever. I noticed a lot of the bigger artists, they kind of just, they're not really friends backstage until they're, you know, they have to play all together at the end of the night. But yeah, I noticed a lot of them are kind of loners. They just... Do their own thing until it's mm. time to play.
0: Yeah, I wonder if you can really know who your friends are if you're in that kind of celebrity.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like very hit or miss. Like I've worked with a couple artists that are like they're more so friends, I guess, and other artists that just don't even talk at all until it's time to play or sound mm. check or whatever.
2: Mm. But I feel like when you're at a certain level, you can only be friends with other people who are on the le- same on level, the level as you, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and then you have those other ones that wanna party with the crew, you know? Like, oh yeah. wow, yeah, so yeah, it's it's very hit or miss, but. Well, sh- man, talking about celebrities that died, you worked around Tom Petty. I did, yeah, in his later years. Um, yeah, I was working for a backline company in the valley and I uh, can't say too much, but it was a job that I did. We transferred gear for them and stuff like that and when he died i was actually one of the two guys who transported his guitars from his house to a studio and it was surreal it was crazy it was like wow like one of my one of my dad's musical heroes too um his guitars were like you know feet away from me and i got to physically touch some of them and move them into the studio i don't know stuff like that is kind of crazy because i don't really get to talk about those things I think the
0: world grieved when Tom died. Yeah. Because, I don't know, something about Tom. um, It's funny because I'm a couple degrees from Tom, maybe three degrees or something like that. Because, first of all, I had a college friend whose dad was actually named in one of Tom's songs. Oh, wow. So that was cool. So she'd tell me stories like, oh, yeah, they're talking about Bell Canyon. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and also a drummer in one of the bands that I was in actually drum teched for his drummer.
1: Froney, yeah. Yes,
0: yes. So I might have him on the show at some point, actually. That would be be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we were all rocked when Tom died. That was rough. Yeah. But, you know, I almost think it felt like to me like just the pain of what's going on in the world. It's just started weighing on people, you know? Oh well, yeah. Especially right now. I think a lot of people kind of like took their exit before, you know, the, the world went to hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a basket. Like, Oh, I'm out. See ya. Yep. Um, but <sighs> moment of silence, right? Oh, I was
2: just thinking about this meme that says I'm not built to, to live through a revolution. <laughs> like
0: oh yeah that was funny I saw that somebody posted a quote from Gandalf that Frodo's like well I don't want to live through times like this and Gandalf says neither does anybody but we work with the times that are upon us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was like Gandalf <laughs> <laughs>
2: well yeah. and that's where creativity comes from is the pain like you said each artist has their outlet you mm-hmm. know and some people get into writing because it helps with It's like a coping mechanism for things going on in the world or things going on in their personal life. Mm -hmm. And then others, I don't know, but it's pretty crazy because it could be such a tool to get to a good place, you know? Yeah. It's so healing. Music is so healing. But then once you reach a certain point, it can be very difficult to stay afloat.
1: Yeah. Well, kind of. Back on what we were talking about a few minutes ago with artists on tour. um, I notice certain artists, like, they just, when they're not happy to be on the road and they're kind of numb to the fact that their job is to play music professionally and get paid pretty well doing that. When they're in it, in the trenches, I think sometimes they forget that other people would want to be in their shoes or, you know, would love to be at the level that they're at. Um, it's funny because as much as they might forget, like there's still people and they're still feeling real things out there like anybody else would in any other job or whatever. So anyway, I don't really know where I was going with that. (laughs)
0: Well, but I mean, is it that you forget or is it that it demands so much of you Yeah, that that you realize it wasn't everything you dreamed of. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't
2: know what you're signing up for.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, it's sort of that deal with the devil kind of analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: well, no one really realizes where things might get them. So yeah. you're doing something for you. A lot of musicians do something for themselves and they don't expect to take off. And I think that's what causes that sadness, that extra sadness, you know, because mm-hmm. it's hard to deal with being in the public eye yeah you know especially even now like with the internet like twitter and facebook oh, everything relentless. is so public yeah. yeah everything is public and it's worse than it used to be and it was still bad back then
1: yeah and i won't mention any names but even artists who have been professional since they were kids like they at a certain point in their career they're just like it's really interesting to see it from the outside, and it's like a part of them, you know, that level of, of fame, fame, not just fame, but that level of
2: self-importance. No,
1: no, no, <laughs> I, I can't find the words, but that level of uh, that skill level, uh, for lack of better words, right. like like some of these people have been literally professional musicians since like the age of like 10 or 12 Mm. and they don't know anything else. They had never had any other jobs, but music. Right. And it's really interesting to see that.
0: Yeah. I saw an interview with Hans Zimmer, the famous composer. Mm -hmm. And he said, I do this because I'm pretty unemployable at anything else. (laughs) And
1: it's true. Like some of those people like that have been doing it their entire lives. They don't, they literally don't know anything else. And probably mm-hmm. can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and then I
0: think people assume, I mean, obviously Tom Petty had loads of money, but yeah. I think people assume that all artists have loads of money. No, they don't. Not all I was going to mention,
2: <laughs> I am pretty sure St. Vincent, she's like a huge artist now at this point, And I heard that a couple years ago, she was working at a restaurant in New York.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, mm. so
2: it's like no matter how famous you are, sometimes you're still forced to work at a restaurant or you work at a restaurant because you need that extra money or... I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if she wanted to do it, but...
1: Yeah, it yeah. just all depends, I think. Like,
2: it's it's like when I feel like growing up, there was always tabloids about actors and actresses working at a diner mm. or, like, at a restaurant.
0: <laughs> I mean, Wow. I could see someone, like, doing that on purpose just to stay grounded. Yeah. And see, like... See,
2: that's why I'm not sure,
0: like... But at the same time, like, I know you're right because, first of all, you don't make a lot of money on Spotify. Mm-mm. No. So Streaming. if you're a new artist, you really got to sell out, mm-hmm. like, big time yeah. Well, and then people to... used to
2: make their money from touring, mm-hmm. and now you can't tour. As far but as we know. Even,
0: even the artists from back in the day, the record labels would take a large portion of their money, their money because they give them these advances that they had to pay back out of a fraction of the sales. Yep. And so it took forever to you really had to establish yourself to be ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or, yep. you know, I mean, a lot of them would spend the money right off the top. Like if you spend all your money in the first two months, of, it's got to last you two years. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the recoup is always the hard part, I think, for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, but things are changing. I mean, it's a DIY world now. As you guys talked about being DIY, let's talk about what it's like to have to write your own press releases and <laughs> yeah. um, like plan your own album release and be all things to all people.
1: Well, we technically own a record label now,
0: so that's pretty exciting. That's pretty sweet.
1: We've learned a ton this release alone we've learned a lot on the back end side of things yeah and, we um,
2: understand why there's a full team of people
1: yeah like working
2: we, on promotional stuff we, and-
1: we didn't know what an epk was uh, until a week ago electronic press
0: kit yeah yeah
2: so that was a headache for me because that that responsibility kind of falls on me because i'm more of like i don't know how to put it i'm more business-minded would that be it or
1: uh, yeah I mean we both are but um I don't think we do well with stuff like that
2: yeah so somehow I I'm slightly better at those things and even though I don't want to do it one of us has to do it You're
0: definitely better at that <laughs> stuff well I think it's because you're related to mom and dad
2: yeah and like then- mom and
0: dad weren't really good at it either but they had to learn and so they passed yeah. a bit of that on to us mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't know. I've tried opening my own business before and I'm very business oriented, but I also hate it at the same time. Once I Mm -hmm. get into it, I'm like, why did I start this? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's so much work. I like the beginning part of starting businesses or starting projects because it's so much fun and so creative. But then once you get into the legality of everything and like uh, the boring paragraphs you have to write about yourself it's just
1: writing about yourself is like the worst thing ever
2: especially when you're just starting out and you have to write you
0: have to pretend you're already someone yeah you have to
2: pitch to people you have to pitch yourself to people which is hard because you don't want to be over the top and you don't want to be underselling yourself so that was really difficult that took me a few days and then it took a few days to figure out What platform we were going to have the electronic press kit on because websites cost money and they're going to keep costing you money. That's the worst part. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all these little money traps you fall into when you're creating music, which is the last thing an artist needs especially when you don't have a job because of uh, quarantine
0: right. when it's just a project right you're not sure if you're going to you know keep doing it as this yeah. or if you're going to like split and form another one or if you're going to like make two or three yeah
2: i mean for this for me i ever since i was a kid i wanted to do something in music and i feel like this is the my perfect opportunity to create a persona or like a group and run with it. I feel like now's the time I wanna just go all out. So it's serious for me and I wanna do a good job because I don't want it to just sit there and not gain any traction. So that's Mm. when you need to spend a little bit of money on what you're doing and you need to treat it like a job. Right. Which is unfortunate
0: yeah well and that's the thing too like starting a business it's like okay well if i'm not starting a business then i'd have to get a job yeah mm-hmm. so
2: this is technically starting a business
0: right yeah. which is which a lot of musicians would be like i'm out <laughs> Yeah. exactly
2: and that's why a lot of people don't do anything with their albums or they don't do anything with the songs they write because no joke you write it and you're like oh this is awesome and
0: then it's like now what
2: yeah exactly let's
0: make a facebook post saying hey check out our sound cloud and nobody cares yeah Yeah.
2: so that's the actually the scariest part is when we were talking about releasing this i was i kept asking myself oh my gosh like what if no one listens to it what if no (laughs) one cares yeah and like when you put that much work into something i know it's for yourself but it's also you know you want people to hear what you're saying yes so It's really defeating if no one listens to it. That's why I was so thankful that our release day went so well.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm numb now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm super numb. I'm just like, oh, I've I've been a part of so many projects. Well, when you've
2: been in bands. You
1: just release stuff and you're like, you forget about it. You're like, eh, whatever.
2: That's bands for most people. though you yeah. know like you put all that work into it and if you're a band guy i feel like a you're s- yeah exactly if you're a band guy i feel like you're so used to just making music and putting it out there and being like okay so yeah, yeah now i'll like go play guitar for this other person yeah
1: yeah Like that's I, a, band a guy. Thing. me personally i'm <laughs> such a spaz too like my friends are like oh you want to do this project you want to do that project you want to help record this you want to help mix that i'm like yeah I say exactly. yes to everything band yeah. guy and then i find myself like you know, you know just mixed up in things and I just forget about stuff and yeah I don't know you don't look back and
2: I didn't create Rubicon for no reason
1: yeah I mean which you know? means
0: you did create her for a reason
1: yeah and this project and also the the band I'm in Mason Gold th- these two projects have really grounded me as a musician and oh that's cool help me focus on just a few things at a time and actually finish stuff so it's been really good for me personally like i've i've grown a lot as a musician yeah and um
0: and learned a lot on the professional side of things too so it's been really good well you know it's funny you guys both talk about wanting to start things and then like oh the drudgery of like getting through the middle of it like i have that same problem it's hard and we're like we all took the myers-briggs and we're all enfp all three of us
1: oh really
2: yeah remember
1: I, yeah i guess <laughs> yeah he
2: he is not really into that kind of thing but me and steve we love that kind of stuff i like, just
0: was like so blown away because i'm like no you're not you're I, infp and I you're just like no really... i'm not steve i took the test again i'm enfp I, i'm like that makes I sense i took it
2: twice <laughs> and i had to literally show you my results twice for you to believe me yeah i, I mean, just
0: I see still, it now i don't know what it means yeah well, that's true most people don't steve
2: can explain it pretty well
0: Um, My podcast listeners like don't please know we're done. (laughs) No, it means that we love to start new things that are exciting and fun, and we really struggle to finish anything.
1: I love doing that. (laughs) It's a gift and a curse. It's uh, it's mostly a curse. I
2: think Michael Scott is an ENFP because I can start
1: (laughs) stuff all day and never finish it. That's like story of my life. You can find Undercover
0: Rubicon on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Please follow the Language of Creativity podcast on your podcast app and leave a review. This is the Language of Creativity
3: podcast.